0: Hi, I'm Emma Cousin, and this is Chats with Artists, where I chat to an artist about how they're feeling, their work, and the strange times that we are in. In this episode, I talk to Luke Routledge. Luke Routledge is primarily a sculptor, though his practice encompasses painting, drawing, illustration, writing, and video making. In this episode, Luke and I talk about the in the middle feeling that we are both in at the moment, in the early mid-stages of making some new work. Luke describes his recent exhibition at Eastside Project's Strange Matter, and we begin to get into his ideas around his constructed universe and what he calls his living collage territory. We talk about conceptual machines, sculpture making itself, modular bodies, and using words in a sculptural format. We talk about Luke's many and tailored materials, his particular color palette, And his relationship with pseudoscience we touch on skateboard imagery and cartoons poetry and stories and we hear a little of luke's recent writing from the horse's mouth we get into humor and the kinetic and we end on new things that luke is trying to make and how helpful it is to learn new things all the time thank you for joining us for chats with artists
1: in lockdown I'm in a, bit of a, in a bit of a mixture of emotion kind of uh, feeling at the minute because I'm uh, in the middle of like preparing some new work.
0: And is that feeling so... Because I'm in the middle too and I'm just wondering if it's the same feeling that we're feeling.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like um, uh, I'm doing new things and I'm just not really sure if, if they're the right things to be doing. And
0: then
1: I <laughs> haven't, haven't got long to be doing it either. Um, so it's kind of like a bit of a rush. A bit of a, oh, this is great, and then, what if it's shit? Um, <laughs> but I think I'll get through it, yeah. How are you?
0: Yeah, really similar. That's mad. I hadn't anticipated you were going to say that. Um, yeah, really <laughs> the same. Like, And it's weird, because it feels, like, scratchy. Going down to the rabbit holes and then thinking, this is good, but then also, like, really thinking, is this terrible? or. Yeah, and also I think it's that question of like, once you start something, there's a query for a while. Like, is it the right? Is it the thing you should be doing, or should you be doing the thing over there? Do you know what I mean? Yeah,
1: yeah definitely. That is, that's pretty much just how I'm feeling. <laughs> um, but I, I think, oh, well, I
0: feel a bit better. We're both in it.
1: Yeah, I'm hoping that maybe the best thing to do is just carry on, and just keep going yeah. with it.
0: Oh yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. And I think that's the only way to resolve it. Anyway, you know, it's like it's um it's a funny conundrum isn't it because you can you can talk yourself out of it so easily and actually the thing to do is just keep going and then you'll change tack if it's not right anyway at some point
1: yeah definitely i think with all these things like you know all of us are making you're making these new things aren't you so it's kind of Mm -hmm. an investigation um and you're kind of uncovering these things so you just gotta keep keep digging maybe (laughs)
0: It sounds really mystical that as well. I like that. So we're talking abstractly, I guess. It's interesting. Is that feeling also partly to do with where we are in terms of everything going on, though? I wonder as well. I was thinking about that today. Is it also this like forced like um, season? You're like, come on, we're in, we're moving forward. Uh, We're out of lockdown. We're moving next week or next week or something. Yeah. It all feels a bit rushed for me anyway and a bit forced and pushed through. Yeah, Uh, physically, and I'm just wondering if you're feeling the same and how
1: it's been. Mm, Yeah, I mean it does feel a bit a bit rushed. This kind of um, coming out of lockdown, but then it's been going on for so long. I kind of feel like something's got to change. Yeah. But maybe the government aren't taking the right approach. But whatever. Um, Mm. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. Similar kind of feeling. Like you've just got to keep going with these things and (laughs) keep yourself safe, which you know trying to do the whole time. Yeah, it, it's weird. It's been a weird kind of 18 months or however long it's been now.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, where I came across your work was your show that you had overlooked, like in between lockdowns, I guess it was, Eastside Project, Strange Matter.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, it did kind of end up happening between, like, the uh, the first lockdown and then it had to close because of the second lockdown. It was It was just so weird. Like, I was in the studio making the work, And then obviously everything was kicking off with coronavirus around Italy kind of thing. Mm. And I could see it coming. And I was just hoping hoping that it wasn't going to happen and postpone the show. But obviously, you know, it it did happen. I mean, it ended up giving me more time to make the work. So I was kind of fortunate in that sense. But it was Mm. just absurd and surreal being in my studio. And it was like some Orwellian dystopian (laughs) weird thing happening on the radio. It was, mm. it was just absurd, yeah.
0: And did that because in a way we're going to describe the work in a minute, hopefully, but I think the idea of like world building was that kind of sense of immersing yourself in your world was was it sort of assisted in a way by like that locking in of well, you in that world or or did you go mad? I
1: mean I mean there's elements of that, but I got furloughed so I was able mm. to just be in my studio and be making the work like the whole time, because I only lived a couple of minutes away from the studio. But, yeah, I did kind of just get to immerse myself in it and spend a lot more time on the work. So, yeah, I mean, it really it really helped me add elements to it that might not have come through if the show had been back in May 2020 when it was meant to be. Kind of a, an unusual time to be locked yeah. away in the studio.
0: And Strange Matters, are the title for the show... Um, yeah. Did that come out of that idea of it becoming more strange or was that defined before?
1: Yeah, no, I'd, I'd already chose that title for the show because when I was uh, kind of starting to look into the world-building aspect, I was getting into kind of watching videos of quantum physics and uh, string theory and particle physics and stuff like that. <laughs> as, you it, it, yeah, as you do. Yeah, as well, <laughs> it's YouTube, isn't it? Like, I, You know, a lot of it is... Over my head. I don't claim to be an expert, uh, mm-hmm. but having this kind of surface understanding of these things, um, then this this video about strange matter just popped up, and I just thought that it fit with the the kind of aesthetics of the work and uh, what I was trying to do, really. Which, with the show, was to to try and create um, kind of a, a first look into this world that I'm creating through the figures that I make, and so. I don't know. Quite often, like people would just say to me, "Oh, oh my God, these things are so weird. Like you, mu- you must see weird things in your head." But it's, it's not like that. And the, the word "strange matter" just kind of resonated because it's just like strange matter, weird stuff, unusual things. Uh, mm. So it's that kind of wordplay, uh, mm. and that, that kind of very basic. But then also, strange matter is like a hypothetical particle in uh, theoretical physics I think it's something that's meant to be it's proposed that it could be in like a collapsed neutron star I think and that that's just kind of you know some far off space kind of thing kind of fitted with the work <laughs> and, and I wanted it to be something like that rather than something along the lines of like uh, Tolkien or you know Lord of the Rings um, so I to put try and push the work in a kind of a sci-fi direction mm-hmm. uh, but maybe that's Like just for that show, and then Mm -hmm. another show could be called something completely different, which would push the work into another direction.
0: Yeah, another realm. That's that's really nice. That. Yeah. I mean, I wonder because we've just sort of described it like via other people, via um, you know, sci-fi and Tolkien maybe. But I wonder if you Mm. could just describe what it looked like. Like if we were going to walk into that strange matter show, what what would what would we see? And can you just describe it in your own, I guess, your own memory now, but your own knowledge of it and living with it and being with it and making it.
1: Yeah, uh, I'll try, yeah, so (laughs)
0: it's
1: like um, like a a dimly lit room, and then you kind of walk in and you happen upon this uh, group of unusual, maybe alien-looking figures uh, gathered around this campfire, like I said, and Mm. uh, some of them are animated...
0: I guess the reason I'm asking you to describe it as well is because I haven't seen the show in the real, in person. It, it It's important because of the lockdowns, because I feel like this is a show that probably would have been seen by more people if yes. um, if we'd have had the chance to travel. I think, you know, I would have gone to see up to see it. It's Birmingham. It's not that far away. So I mean, that's why I'm asking, because I think if we, you know, it's like to try and picture this in some senses is interesting and to hear your descriptions of it from the horse's mouth if you like
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and um so like i said they were were gathered around a campfire and what i was trying to do with that is kind of evoke like you know form an umbrella over all of the work that i make for possibly the rest of my life for at least the next few years um so that's why they were gathered there together so it's like the beginning of a story um but then
0: that's great sorry go on
1: oh well i was just gonna say that you know that the actions of the figures um, and the movements that they kind of uh, were doing, it's all kind of a bit ambiguous so that when the viewer happens upon it, they can take from it, like, you know, whatever they, whatever they will, rather than it being some kind of, you know, prescriptive narrative.
0: Mm, mm. And I guess it's, that's important because if you're going to do it for the rest of your life, you want it to be open enough.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was quite, um, uh, apprehensive about kind of thinking about my work as like a constructed universe or or like having an overarching story because I don't want to like paint myself into a corner mm. but then once I got past that kind of uh, apprehension I think it just opens kind of the door for me to make anything <laughs> that I want to make and bring in all of these references yeah so that then the work can just be anything that I want it to be and, and it takes it away from what I was doing before which is just kind of making art about art and Mm -hmm. now it's it allows me to just push push these different ideas and stitch these different things onto the work Mm -hmm. Uh, and I mean I wrote something the other week it was either for an application or an interview or something and it's that I'm thinking about this constructed universe as like a living collage territory Um, Mm -hmm. I think that kind of sums up what I'm trying to do quite well
0: that's that's a lovely description. That living collage territory. I mean, it makes me think about this idea that if if you can find a world like this, then it, it is a consistently alive, built thing that keeps keeps kind of um, organically adding to itself. I mean, does yeah. it have, feel like that? Does the things come to you, or do you sit down with it and sort of get into the stories and then things, you know, find things? that what like how much is it kind of arriving? almost like an automatic voice like a writer might say or is it more that you're out searching for it and building it
1: yeah it it, it does kind of feel like like it's making itself now um mm. like it's kind of some conceptual machine and it's just churning out these things uh, autopoietic yeah is that how you pronounce it uh,
0: <laughs> yeah yeah
1: yeah it's kind of just it's like self-generating uh, like a living thing and that, that's why i use that word living um mm. and yeah it I've kind of thought about making sculptures that might illustrate this kind of idea of them just churning them out. Um, and then kind of before I made the show at Eastside, I was speaking to people about how the, the sculptures would be kind of making themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never actually made a sculpture that quite looked like that. But now, as it happens, the sculptures are actually making themselves like I'm not having to try and I'm not having to force them they're just kind of you know rolling on to the next one
0: mm. there's something really seductive about that isn't it? it's weird i was i've literally been thinking about a painting that makes itself like if the figures in the paintings could paint the other figures out of paint
1: that they're also made of yeah yeah it's a bit like the uh escher hands kind of thing
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: like paradoxical or whatever yeah
0: I read something that you, you made um, modular body parts um, as a storage solution. <laughs> so, like, <Yeah.
1: laughs> you couldn't
0: store the figure, but you'd like to take the arm off so that it didn't have to be stored to use on another body.
1: Yeah, that's ex- exactly it. I, like, I'd, I used to have a, a studio in Deptford in, in London, and like, uh, I just remember that kind of happening when I was there. Um, and I just ended up thinking, oh, I'll make them modular. I couldn't drive at the time. Maybe I had the idea that I'd, you know, carry them there on the tube in bits. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but then right. that kind of stuck with the work. And um, as I carried on making them, each element kind of came off and it's yeah, a modular kind of interchangeable uh, kind of kit of sculptures. Mm-hmm. And then I suppose that that idea of the the body parts being uh, modular and like you could collage them together then that also fits with what I'm saying about the the collage aspect of building the world um, and I, I think of like my whole my whole practice really and my whole process as kind of three-dimensional collage yeah it, it was it was useful to be able to take them apart <laughs> and then you can store them <laughs> on top of each other
0: because they're human as I mean because they're, they're not human because they're actually like automatronic because of this kinetic thing which we'll talk about but and obviously they 're made of this weird material, and the colors are really weird, so there 's a lot to unpack there. but I think it's interesting that they feel quite human or of the human um in some ways this liveness gives it that feel, but then you're kind of undermining that by having this kind of um lack of not lack like of respect for them, but there's no you 're taking them apart as if they are machines like there's something really curious happening there
1: yeah, I mean it's just kind of a um a formal thing, but then, mm. yeah, I've, I've been making kind of humans or human-like creatures for the last, like, ten years. Um, but but then to have it so that you can take them apart, you just end up then creating other things completely different out of these bits. <coughs> um, and it, it just leads you down a down a different avenue. I
0: think someone I was speaking to this show about said it was like cave people. Almost like they were, like, our ancestors um, yes. that hadn't fully developed or yeah. they were all, and, and because of that, they were proposing that like, an alternative way forward into the future. But it also made me think of like sitting on the carpet as a kid. I don't know if you did this, and then they had story time, and yeah. I'd totally forgotten that was a thing until we started talking about it. I was like, yeah, we did, we did that. Like we sat on the carpet for like an hour, maybe more, and like listened to this teacher read a book. Like it's just incredible, really. Um,
1: yeah.
0: That it was, you know, that it kind of held attention in that way um, for that long, for that many children of different kind of backgrounds and different ability and capability. Um, do you have memories of that stuff? Is is like what what from childhood feeds in, or is um, maybe relevant? Or
1: I mean, uh, yeah, I can't. I can't really remember <laughs> that either. Like, <laughs> I, I remember that it happened, but yeah. not not vividly um yeah. but i think th- there's something that i'm doing with these kind of sculptures um because they they're not all looking uh completely human and like us uh some of them are a bit more cartoony and mm-hmm. by doing that and kind of removing the completely human element it's kind of allowing you to tell a story in an easier way maybe like a, like a children's book an illustrated mm-hmm. children's book would um, and there's definitely that aspect to the work, and um, I, I often see it when children go and look at the work. It's either they'll they'll be really enticed by it, or they'll mm-hmm. be quite freaked out. Um, <laughs> friendly element that I'm trying to push with the work at the minute, um, just to remove the kind of I don't want them to look like a Ron um, <laughs> so Yeah,
0: that's interesting. The Ron Muick connection. I hadn't thought of that actually, but yeah, they do. They could almost look like. Um, mummified or you know like sci-fi wise it's making me think of those fro you know if you froze yourself but you'd half mold, like gone moldy and then yeah. they brought you back to life and but you were like a bit um infrared or something like you, you know, <laughs> like toxicity in your body yeah because yeah. they are the colors are nuts which we can talk about as well but yeah the idea of them being scary is interesting i mean are you ever aware of that when I mean, do you find them? I mean, how do you relate to them? Is it you? Is it sort of versions of you? How do you relate with them as characters?
1: Um, I mean, I was I was thinking about one of the earlier works that I showed a couple of years ago, and it was a um, a woman kind of sat on the floor, um, and she was making little sculptures herself, and that was just oh, came yeah. ca- came from like a phrase that was sat in my sketchbooks or in my drawings or whatever for ages, which was uh, a sculpture of a sculptor making sculptures um, <laughs> <laughs> and about, because then I could have like a, a a figure and then these kind of other little objects around it it was kind of a formal um, idea and that's what drove the work. Um, mm. Yeah so I was thinking about that one and, and then really that is a portrait of me even though there's a woman sat on the floor making these little things it's exactly kind of what I do. Um, You know, it's. I think maybe every work that you make is a self-portrait. I remember the one of the technicians at uni used to come round and say stuff like that to me, Mm. kind of taking the piss, like, oh, (laughs) another self-portrait, is it? Um, But (laughs) but they are, aren't they? I think. I don't know whether you find that with your paintings, but
0: yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I'm always sort of resistant to it, I guess. but obviously it is uh, in ways. and i'm I mean, I'm wondering if it's very specifically bits of your body because obviously it is like a posture and like the awkwardness of sitting on a floor with you know you might your back might be sore or whatever. I'm yeah. wondering if how much you do sort of use your own body and the feeling, I mean, I guess I'm reflecting there, but I'm just wondering if that's part of it if you are sort of like measuring and and dealing with your own body in order to then handle and and uh you know fabricate these things yeah
1: yeah i mean i always just end up measuring the arms and the legs against myself like i just grab a piece of wood and hold it up and then cut it and then badly screw it together um (laughs) but yeah it definitely is and and there's there's like a a real physical element to making these sculptures as well like i try and make them as light as possible but they're still quite heavy, um, so it is a kind of it's a kind of full body activity <laughs> making them. Yeah. Um, and it's even funnier when you have to like take them outside, and people are looking like, "What the fuck is that?" Um, <laughs> yeah.
0: Do you ever try and explain it, or do you just ignore it?
1: I just just ignore it most of the time, unless they're you know really interested, and then mm. I might stand there for a minute struggling with this thing, having a quick chat. <laughs>
0: i bet there's some like amazing information like videos to be made of that that's brilliant um (laughs) that's so funny um because they are kind of like although they're human they are these weird hybrids because of i say weird because of the color really Mm. um but before we get onto color i was just wondering about materiality and maybe that's both things but you do use like a whole range of um material i mean one materialist is like paper mache concrete milliput car body filler and silicon and you've had some attempts at making your own air drying clay and something you just said then about like putting it together with a screw just like kind of screwing it in quite not shoddily but you know without it's not the most important thing about the work i'm just wondering about that level of like the finish or the polish or the the aesthetic i guess i'm talking about um and the material if you just talk about that a little bit
1: yeah, I mean, uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I make the uh, I make the majority of the the bulk of the sculptures myself out of my own air dry clay um, mm. that I've been kind of I've been working on for like the past five or six years probably, um, mm. and it's kind of a recipe that I've developed through watching things on YouTube and Instagram and things like that, um, mm. but that's. I mean, again, that, that's why I say it's like physical, because I'm making this stuff myself. Um, I, I could use like or or salt dough or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. But it, I was kind of searching for this material for years. Um, I, wa- I wanted the sculptures to kind of look like uh, they were paintings themselves, maybe that they'd stepped out of a painting mm-hmm. uh, to kind of have this uh, tension between like, the figurative element of the body and then the abstract kind of painting or whatever, the painterly painting that's on the body of them. Um, mm. And then once once I'd kind of found this material, it was like the right thing, so I just carry on using that. And then um, through through the years, I've kind of added these other materials and came up with this kind of vocabulary and, and kind of set of materials. Uh, mm. So, yeah, like the silicon and the milliput but they're they're just things that I've kind of discovered either through like hobbies or jobs, uh, mm. like car body filler. That was that was just through a job really, where I was working in a painting department. Um, yeah, so it's just like an, a a cumulative thing, building up this this kind of language of stuff.
0: Mm. And will you so when you say the car the car body filler, you're working in a paint shop for cars.
1: Uh, they. They painted anything like uh, kitchen, um, kitchen cabinets and stuff like that, yeah. um, and and the odd car. Um, but like, there's one particular type of car body filler that's like a really nice turquoisey green, uh, <laughs> which is like one of you know one of my favourite colours. Um, yeah. And that was just discovered through a job that I had years ago, and then I'll just use that occasionally. That's um,
0: brilliant.
1: But yeah, like the air dry clay is is the the main bulk of the work um and I just mix paint into that or pigments into that so mm-hmm. it can be any color that I want really and then uh, i mean maybe it's too much freedom because that's what the work is it's just every color you can imagine kind of thing
0: mm-hmm.
1: like yeah, someone has
0: well, been <laughs> like someone that was taught
1: like someone that's been sick I don't <laughs> know. but
0: there's something quite beautiful about vomit i mean it mixes all the colors for you doesn't it so yeah
1: um, <laughs>
0: That's so what so my, my ignorance right what can air your your own air drying clay do that like say a package bought? like why is it important to make your own like at what yeah. point are you like this isn't doing the thing you've sort of touched on it but I just wondered if like what was the beginning of this like frustration and what can this do that the other thing couldn't do
1: um well so I mean the kind of sculptures that I was making just before these this material kind of came into my use was uh making sculptures out of plaster and mixing paint with the plaster. Um, Mm. But it's just, it's so brittle. Um, I don't like the way you, like, apply it. Um, And then what else? I mean, you could use something like paper mache or kind of a shop or air-dry clay. But with this stuff that I make, I can, like, make it to any kind of consistency. Like, it could be a paste or it could be more solid so that I could sculpt something out of it beforehand. Um, and so you just end up with like a bit more of a freedom of the application and then yeah so you'd mix color into it but then afterwards I could paint it again if I if I wanted to but I try I try not to paint the work after the fact because then it ends up a bit more like illustration
0: yeah because I presume there's a certain a certain level of uncontrollability because it's got to set and dry and shift and
1: yeah yeah and it's constantly like falling off um, if I'm trying to like have it on a you know like a, a vertical surface it will just fall off and then it will hit you know the rest of the work and then it will leave traces just like I suppose it would in a painting if if it dripped or whatever. But it's
0: interesting you speak about as a painter almost like as a painter or, <laughs> or reference painting did you used yeah. to paint was that yeah, what you did?
1: Yeah I yeah. did before I was making sculptures and
0: yeah
1: and I mean that's what I thought I'd be doing now um, uh-huh. but I yeah I definitely have like a, a relationship with painting like I think the the colours and And stuff that I was going for in the works, like, they've come from, like, School of London and Hockney and Kitai and people like that. Mm. Um, I I do kind of think of myself as, I don't know, like a a painter that makes sculptures. Um, Yeah, Yeah, I'm like the opposite.
0: I feel like exactly (laughs) the opposite. (laughs) That's true. Because, um, I mean, I don't know if we can... We said it's like vomit, but I just wonder if there's a way to describe some of these colours. Do you have your own names for them, or do you have pigment names? Like, how, how do you reference them? Some of, the, yeah. some of the palette that you're using?
1: I mean, not really. They're just... It's just kind of a, a, a pastel-y <laughs> pastel yeah. palette. palette, um, which, originally, like, the, the colours that I was using, I wanted to make maybe a contemporary-looking version of some ancient sculptures. Um, and so that was kind of informed by like maybe David Batchelor or someone like that who talks about like petrochemical colours of the, you know, the city around us. Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
1: but then as I'm making the sculptures, they've maybe become a bit like diluted and they've had a bit of white added to them. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. This is just like the palette of this world really that I'm making. Um, Yeah. I don't name the colours or anything, but that's something interesting to think about.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't. I guess I'm thinking there's some particular browns that feel like, I don't know, that they're, they're very. I mean, every, all the colours are very particular um, yeah. in a way that feels. I, I don't know. I'd love to name them. <laughs> well, we could do that. Um, yeah. <laughs> now, now infiltrating your world. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> there's something yeah. quite sickly about them, I suppose, um, yeah, or, or no, at least I, I think of yeah. it like that.
0: Like food, almost too. Some the the chocolate ones. Yeah. The like, like chocolate ones, the brown ones, like an um, icing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cake material or something.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. Everybody's uh, like if I post something on Instagram, I'll often get somebody saying, "I can't believe it's not icing," or something <laughs> like that, and people try <laughs> to work out what it is. Um, but I can't give the recipe away.
0: Quite right. The colour feels like, is that quite a stable thing then, if you think, because you said at the beginning there was, you like, in this middle space. Presumably the colour is not part of that. This is quite an established, and it it can grow, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I managed to make it look like a cohesive body of work with the east side things. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, But it could completely change the colours. The colours could completely change. um, And I'm kind of, I'm adding new materials to this kind of language of materials, uh, by making making new things at the minute. Um, and their, their colours are slightly different. So I suppose it's just going to evolve and change mm-hmm. as I keep making more work. And I may end up with a lineup of these sculptures and they look completely different from one end to the other. Mm. Um, yeah, that's
0: interesting too, thinking about like um, evolution, I guess, too, which bits get dropped off the, you know, left yeah. on the tube. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> so yeah definitely. Uh, I've just thought about... Um, Kind of framing the work by thinking about this thing called Dunbar's number which is like the amount of people that uh, a person could know and like maintain a relationship with um, yeah. and that's meant to be about 150 so that's kind of the aim at the minute to make that many
0: <laughs> oh but my goodness Reed, that's amazing so
1: yeah, I might have to get a bit of Arts Council funding to store them though <laughs>
0: That's brilliant. So Dunbar's number 150, that is quite ambitious. I mean, yeah. I was going to say six, but that's a different <laughs> yeah. six degrees of separation, I guess. When you're thinking about those 150, mm. I mean, I'm interested in how these characters, I guess, evolve in that sense. Like, are you imagining your 150 people and then putting them into these characters? Or is it completely invented?
1: <laughs> I mean, I haven't got the brain space to imagine myself as 150 people. Um <laughs> It's kind of just inve- invented and, uh, yeah, an accumulative thing. So, I mean, mm. it's it's just an idea to do that at the minute. Um, yeah. And I'll just have to see where they go. Um, but then, you know, there's there's things in the work that aren't quite humans, aren't, aren't, and I'm sure it's going to go more in that way. So, mm. yeah. Because
0: yeah, you use animals too quite a lot. There's like birds that seem to appear a fair amount
1: yeah yeah i made a made a little moving bird for the east side one and uh, a butterfly and i'm i'm currently thinking about making a pig Uh, oh
0: no i love pigs (laughs)
1: yeah again it's just removing that kind of human element um but also making it more like a world and and you know i'm going to add plants to it and everything it's just describing Mm. every little thing of that world um and and kind of using our own our own world and everything around us as a point of departure Mm. making it into something other which i think i think that's pretty much what i do isn't it
0: yeah i mean is is that kind of hybridization part of the fish animal human is that really like a conscious thing or because sometimes it feels like the qualities of a fish have been brought into a human or the idea of a I don't know. A stump has been brought, like a tree stump, has been kind of becomes part of a body, an extension. Or do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, this kind of yeah. like,
1: I think, I think maybe it just comes from looking at like Dali paintings and Hieronymus Bosch figures, <laughs> um, and it just seems seems natural, really, for me to do these things. And maybe like influenced by things like skateboard graphics as well, mm. like from. 90s and everything Mm
0: um yeah and you watch like because i feel like children's tv like in the night garden and stuff like that that's got to be quite like fruitful i mean it's really weird and not not always good weird but
1: yeah i mean i yeah i love watching cartoons and things like that um rick and morty um and yeah older things Mm. um but uh And I've always done, like, illustration as well. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I've been made, like, animations with my girlfriend, um, which were, there were some in the Eastside show and we showed some at South London Gallery. Mm -hmm. Um, So, kind of, cartoons are a a good, kind of, source of inspiration and things to look at when you're trying to make your own animations. And they're just, kind of, another avenue to explore this idea of the world building as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, that's true. They can take, like... I don't know, ten times longer than making a sculpture, but then at least they don't take up any space and they're just on a hard (laughs) drive or whatever. Um, But yeah, it's just kind of another another uh, avenue to tell the story, another another way to tell it.
0: Yeah, that's a really good logic there. I like that. That it takes ages to make, but it has no storage space to take up. Yeah. The um. So what did you did you watch cartoons as a kid?
1: Uh. Yeah. I mean. I can just remember Rugrats, now, now you're asking me, the only one I can remember is Rugrats. Yeah. Um, not Ren and Stimpy, Is yeah. a weird one. Um, That's
0: my favourite, I have to say. <laughs> I, have I half think... was like, let's just talk about that the whole podcast. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I, th-
1: I think it used to scare me a bit when I was younger. It's kind of a bit surreal and dark.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: but, I mean, there's definitely something in the language uh that I'm trying to do in in my kind of animations and the animations that I make with my girlfriend uh that you know is is similar to Ren and Stimpy just Mm. kind of a bit weird and a bit (laughs) twisted and it it, then it's allowing you to do the things that you can't do with a sculpture yeah um, kind of to pull pull forms or to to make something really unusual and dramatic which yeah you obviously couldn't do with a sculpture or a painting
0: yeah, I think it's like, it's like the ultimate exaggeration, isn't it? Like, like, um, I'm just trying to remember some of the things that happened in it. But it's, you know, when someone's blown up, and it's like, the belly goes to like the biggest point possible. So it fills the room, and then it explodes just to kind of emphasize the sense of an explosion or something. Yeah. Um, and I think Ren and Simpy is interesting, because they are hybrids, aren't they? They're a cat and a dog.
1: Yeah. Well, they're supposed to be. <laughs>
0: but they're actually like <laughs> naked humans, which is really creepy.
1: Yeah, it is creepy. It was creepy.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Like, it. and what about new ones? Can you can you recommend any good ones? Are they like? A, is there, I don't know, a good?
1: Uh, I mean, there was a good cartoon on Netflix a couple of years ago called uh, "Over the Garden Wall." Uh-huh. Um, that, that's really good. If you haven't seen that, uh, I think Elijah Wood uh, voices one of the characters in it, and that that is you know not. I mean, obviously, this cartoon is really good, um, but it's kind of the kind of thing I'm trying to do in my work as well, tell these kind of little stories, little episodes. Um, yeah, so you should check it out. It's just mm, weird. That like, sounds good. It's got dark little characters, and they'll happen upon these little towns, and there'll be like a malevolent person there or something like that. Mm, um, that
0: sounds, Yeah. I mean, I, I also love that they're all about these, like, really colloquial stuff, like, I mean, thinking about um David Lynch's cartoons, like, Dumbland. Yeah. have seen those. Um, but, like, the economy of those is amazing, and the violence is, ex- like, kind of extraordinary and really uncomfortable. You're like, oh, I really don't know if I can keep watching this, but then it's it's it feels very, like, childlike.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I've not seen them. I'll have to check them out. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, they're... Like there's something else, I think. Um yeah. I mean I wondered about that, what what element of because the the thing that saves cartoons is that it is like side splittingly funny. Um yeah. for me anyway, like everything is playing on the that that like level, the line between it being like, you know, possible, impossible or, or ridiculous or um painful, you know, like the pleasure pain thing, but it's it's mm-hmm. hilarious. Like why is someone slipping on a banana skin funny? But it's sort of playing on all those like levels of humour somehow for me. Um, yeah, and i wondered about humor in in your work. I guess like, how is that relevant? Is is it something you're thinking about? Are you like, I guess, and um, yeah, humor and jokes, yeah. but maybe less jokes. Maybe it's more. Maybe it's something else.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I've always hoped that my work would be a bit funny, um, but it's <laughs> it's hard to like force that onto the work. But um, I suppose through making these things that are like creepy creepy kind of childlike characters and just unusual automata they do become kind of humorous and Mm. um i mean they're either going to be funny or they're going to be extremely creepy and it's like the uncanny valley you know where whereabouts do they sit in that uncanny valley and you know there are some people that uh might be scared of like mannequins and they're like oh god i can't come and look at this work this work um but yeah, I think there there is just something inherently funny about these things. And mm. I suppose with the automata aspects, the kind of self-moving aspects of them, they're kind of, again, they're just, they're creepy. But then you can watch them and maybe be fascinated by them. And and then there is kind of a humor in the way that they move and an awkwardness. Mm. Um, so I think kind of without, without trying too much to force it on it, I've made the work that, it, that is kind of funny. Um oh, yeah. I mean
0: I, I get that feeling. I was just interested because I think some, some of what you were speaking about in terms of um you know the pseudoscience and the research and a lot of this is you know, it takes it has to take itself seriously. That's I think that's often the tension in, in our work or in yeah. one's work that you know you take yourself seriously, you have to, to get it done and to do the thing. Yeah. And then and then and then it's a bit like it is a bit ridiculous. Like pseudoscience is really funny because yeah. It sort of all collapses at some point,
1: <laughs> you know? It does, yeah. And I think, I mean, I've I've always tried to make work that kind of doesn't take itself too seriously.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but like you're saying, as an artist, you've kind of you've got to be kind of serious <laughs> to investigate these things. But yeah. then, I mean, I've said I've said this to lots of people before. At the end of the day, like it is all a load of bollocks, isn't it? <laughs> um, and you've you've got to see that as well, like. Mm you're making these things but it's kind of futile um, mm-hmm. and it, it is all just silly, um, it's nonsensical, like why the hell am I uh, like locking myself in this room and making all these sculptures? It's laughable, um, mm-hmm. But kind of with a hope to maybe make a career of it, you know, there's a very slim chance of that
0: mm-hmm. but it's,
1: it, it is funny within itself to practice to doing this thing. Um, mm-hmm. And and to try and take yourself seriously, it's it's difficult. Um, yeah, um, and, <laughs> and I think these kind of ridiculous stories as well play into it. Like I'll, I'll mention about pseudoscience, but it it just makes me think of stories, kind of um, maybe that some some of my family members might talk about. Um, kind of you know they'll believe in in kind of. Weird angels or gods or, mm-hmm. or un- unusual stories like that. And that's kind of been around me kind of as I'm growing up. Um, and maybe that's kind of feeding into this kind of world building element um, mm-hmm. and why I'm creating this kind of other land or, or other verse, altar verse. Because um, I've had kind of people that, that believe that like the mountains in foreign countries are made by the backs of giants or a dragon weird weird things like that so
0: (laughs) well that's interesting and are these is that like a genuine like a almost like a spiritual belief like how
1: yeah spiritual belief definitely um and yeah that's definitely fed into the work um and then i'll i'll end up looking up these things and and using them again as like a point of departure to build kind of my own narrative or build these build this world around Mm. That's
0: it. That's really interesting. And and were these things passed down? Because it's interesting. You we started off talking about how stories are started and passed down, and how we, you know, how it all begins—the story of like whatever the beginning was. Um, is that what you're? Are you kind of trying to get back to the beginning of these stories? Are they are they passed down from like generations from like you your grand and your, I don't know, your mum and your, or your uncle or?
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, I, I'm not really sure about that one. Um. I think fam,
0: yeah, stories is a, is a funny thing, and I think often we. I remember my granddad telling stories, and you know, you sort of switch off at a certain point, don't you? Because you're a kid and you're not that. You're like, oh god, here it <laughs> he goes again. Um, whereas actually now I'm like, I love. I I would sit. I wish I had all those stories. Like, and they start to. I guess you start to. What it feels like is we start to make sense of them as adults and in our own experience, maybe.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, exactly what you just said there. Like somebody might have told you some story and and you'll just think what are you talking about this is a lot of rubbish (laughs) but but now if there's something kind of unusual like that I you know I would listen and Mm. it sounds bad but then you know it could just feed into the work um, and become part of this like idea generating thing Um, so it's just using everything around you really um, no, so
0: I mean, I don't think it sounds bad. I think it sounds like this incredible resource. Like, what an amazing yeah. thing to draw on. Like, yeah. That's really exciting. And do you tell them the stories? Do you like, is it, can you share that stuff with family and then they give you more stories? Like, is there kind of a, is that part of it? Do you, do you share what you write with them?
1: Uh, not really, to be honest. I mean, my sister's really into writing, uh, so I maybe would with her occasionally, um, Yeah. But, but I mean, most of these things are just, they're quite private, and not not because, I don't know, not because I want to keep them to myself, but who wants to listen to this silly little poem? Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I was about to say, do you want to read something?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah of, of course. I'd like uh, to listen to something. Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> This is just something that I've written in the last week or so, just in the notes on my phone uh when I was getting a train. Um, yeah, and it is it is like you know first draft, but I was trying to think about how to kind of tell a story um of these these sculptures in the world they're living in, so yeah, there it goes. Um, the bellows on the reducer contracted slightly as the sphincters at the business end spasmed wildly. The contraption was spitting dark filth all over the hollow cavern as it machined its way through the subsoil. The cloying stench of petroleum hung heavy in the air. After what felt like an age, the tendrils of the assembly must have found the payload beneath, and with a quick, intense vibration, everything flashed. At first, the light was hot, and then it became all conceivable colours while the gateway was forming around them. Melvin's tongue dried out and stuck to the roof of their mouth. As they breathed, the walls of the cave seemed to follow suit, expanding and contracting like the ribs of a great whale. Melvin stood, and as they did, the rest of the group rose in unison. They approached the now living walls, as the very stuff they were composed of began to shift, becoming fluid, iridescent and translucent. Great bubbles were forming all over the slick surface of the now turbulent liquid. They watched intently the the surface and a great pocket burst in front of Melvin, the splashes landing on their multicoloured skin. As this happened, their whole body was sucked toward the kaleidoscopic film. There was no longer any linear sense of time or being. It now seemed as though they could see the world around them through their skin and breathe with their body
0: the end Mm. they really have a sense of because i was thinking this even um in the short kind of tiny bits of fragments of poetry that are on your website which are these kind of three word clusters almost that re-jumble themselves and i was thinking they've got this brilliant kind of sense of momentum and the building up of kind of different priorities or context and different information visual information as well as a physical sense of these short poems the very little ones are they these sort of word clusters
1: yeah uh, they're just um i mean it feels like i'm giving away the magic here but they're oh, just sorry kind of, uh, you don't have to answer well uh, it's not much to give away is it they're just kind of <laughs> uh, cumulative kind of word things like i'll I'll just be i'll just write a note and then and then if something else happens, like in the studio, I'll write another note. And and it's kind of, um, some things might be aimed as being this little poetic thing, but then another thing could be just from a practical concern that needs to happen in the studio. Um, mm-hmm. But, I, I mean, talking about the particular thing that happened that was on my website, mm-hmm. it literally was just thinking about various words that would describe the work and the idea of the world-building element um mm-hmm. and just picking these words and just just putting them into a gif on my iPad um but then you know it's funny that you might think that it's it's kind of you know very labored overall extremely well thought through it's they're, they're <laughs> just kind of things that just happen um and I yeah I mean I do I do develop more I do develop little shorter poems um which I think may, maybe I prefer than kind of the thing that I just read like Mm. I might not might not be a very good storyteller but it's easy to put words together in a kind of form of a poem and then to Mm. take on another meaning
0: oh definitely I mean I think it's come back to that collage idea as well because that felt like a chapter what you just read I felt like
1: that's
0: a a chap you know and that idea of chapters building is something I've been thinking about which is you know almost nicer than thinking about series and and themes and stuff like that that people sometimes reference this idea of chapters as yeah has another potential doesn't it to it
1: yeah definitely um yeah i mean you saying that is just making me think of like uh books of like graham green short stories where they're just like yeah. two pages long or whatever uh, totally. or jg ballard or someone like that um mm. just with these short little things like chapters or passages and then yeah. you, you, know, you could turn the page and have a completely a different story um yeah which is kind of what I'm trying to do with the work. Like there's this first story that I've told through the mm-hmm. exhibition. And then um, so I'm presenting the works kind of in different formats, at Coventry, uh, Biennial, and then mm-hmm. that'll tell a different story. Um, yeah, and then, and then with each kind of one, it's, it's like another chapter, um, yeah, a different story. And then um, thinking about this constructed universe I actually kind of refer as refer to it as a multiverse um, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: just so that like if the story changes changes dramatically, then it's just because they've gone to another part of the multiverse or not (laughs) not even the same characters in this other place, but it's just another place. Um, And again, that kind of came from the worrying about making this thing and kind of painting myself into a corner. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just like a, a a device, really.
0: And does any of that come from illustration? Because I know you did that um, quite early on, I believe, some illustration, yeah. and I think you did it again because there's no room, <laughs> that idea of like, <laughs> and that's what you wrote about them.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I've always always done these little illustrations. Um, that kind of started when I was at university. I was making kind of the, the uh, I don't know, like the sculptures that led on to these ones, um, but also just Drawing these little cartoons with them as well, and sometimes they were kind of plans for the work. Um, But then, again, other times there were things that would enable me to do something I couldn't do with the with the physical works. Mm. Um, I mean, I almost changed to illustration when I was at university, Um, but I'm I'm glad that I didn't really because I'd have never made all these things that I'm making now.
0: (laughs) in a way I mean the illustrations it's worth saying they are really like kind of extraordinary there I can see why you attempt to change because you you are an illustrator as well like you have that gift um and the, the language comes together with that and I think there's something about maybe bringing cartoon but this idea of like the irreverence of an illustration thinking of people like Tommy Younger. Yeah. do you know his work Yes. Yeah. um and that you know, it's like a space where rules can be broken with a bit of a laugh. Like it's never, it's never like a serious offence somehow. Like they get away with a lot. I think is what I'm trying to say. Um. So I like I think there was a funny misunderstanding when I read there was no room. I thought it meant no room to like get away with stuff as well. And if there's something really great about thinking about that as this like um, the 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 grounding bit where you kind of started to break down some of these rules and invent these new rules in this world.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, the drawing often helps me to, to think about the world as well. Um, mm. Yeah, and it, it does just allow another another space for you to explore these things.
0: And when you say drawing, are you drawing... Like, do you have a go-to, I don't know, material, size? Are you, like, doodling all the time? How does that start to of creep in or become part of things? Because the diagrammatic is definitely there as well with some of these.
1: Yeah, I think the the diagrammatic kind of thing has come about um, through thinking of the, the sculptures as existing in their own space. Sorry, I keep going, Brian, dead.
0: <laughs> it's quite, um, I quite like it. It, like it. I feel like I'm talking to one of your sculptures.
1: Yeah, because you've
0: like, got that <laughs> kinetic energy, and then you like look to the other way, and then your eyes come back to me, and then you can do it. We can do it again.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's great. <laughs> I mean, as soon as you make these kind of sculptures, you just end up. You know, it's a bit like Scooby Doo, isn't it? You think you're looking at this portrait on the wall, thinking maybe that its eyes are following you, and you, <laughs> make, you make make a sculpture, and it's just like, is it looking at you while you're walking around the room? <laughs> It'd be great if it would um and that that's kind of where it came from um but i mean really the, the first one that i wanted to make was like the first moving thing that i did make which was just the head moving up and so, up and down inside a form um as if it was like peeking out and it yeah. took me took me years to kind of uh w- really work up the courage to just decide to make it um and then i I kind of I am entered an open competition at Air Gallery in Altrincham, um, and I commissioned uh, loads of artists to make work for it. So I just decided, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw the money at it this time, and I'll make this thing, and I'll bloody make it move. Um, <laughs> and so I spent like six months ordering the wrong parts and just watching YouTube videos, and then eventually did it. But I think it really changed the way that I thought about my sculptures. It, it took them from just being maybe an illustration brought into 3D, brought into the physical world and, and made, made me start thinking about this world building element and everything and that they're living because just by having this kind of crude imitation of human movement, they were becoming something else and something more. Mm. Um, so then I, yeah, I learned how to do that first one and that, that was using Arduinos, um, little micro chip controller computer things that you tell, mm. you code them and tell them what to do. And then after I made that one, I was part of a cricket club at Eastside um, and I just thought, okay, well, I've made that first one. I've, I've got to make one even better um, <laughs> and see what people think of it. Um, and then I, I made a figure, a, a figure that was sat, uh holding a newspaper and it had a screen in its back as well and that that was kind of an idea I'd wanted to do for years Mm -hmm. it's just like throwing the kitchen sink at it really and just trying to make these things that I'd had in sketchbooks for years and years um and yeah I had to like again just learn off YouTube how to do all these things um Mm -hmm. and that that first one that again it had kind of a bit of humor in it because it was just looking from side to side um it was holding a newspaper um and i mean the this idea came from uh my girlfriend's brother really just while we were having a chat in the kitchen about what it could be doing because that's Mm. always always a question when you're making these figurative sculptures (laughs) He, he said well why don't you just have it because he knew about the moving eyes, he said, why well, don't you have it, like, looking at a porno or something behind this magazine? <laughs> um, so I did that, but then the the porno was just like uh, a pastiche of a Picasso of, uh, you know, I can't remember what it's called now off the top of my head, but, um, yeah. yeah. Um, so then, yeah, I just, that was like humour within the work as well. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's really key, because I think there's something that feels like you're often sort of i don't even like some of them seem like franz west but then a head pops out the top of it and you're a bit like ha ha like yeah it feels like parodying art history
1: well yeah that's that is definitely it like you said the word irreverence earlier um and that is what i'm trying to do Uh, and it like i was saying about this um uh constricted universe kind of freeing freeing me of just making art about art but then it Mm. Yeah, it allows me to do what you just said, like parody, art, history. Um and it, it doesn't seem as direct, taking the piss out of these things because they're framed under this umbrella of its own world. Um mm. yeah, that's it's definitely it's kind of this tension between abstraction figuration, uh, and like irreverence. Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Amazing. And I think that, that the kinetic element is again kind of underlining that because it feels like on the one hand it does bring them to life but on the other hand because it's quite a sort of it's very mechanical and it's a relatively sort of um naive or subtle motion that they have that they can only do so much and it's quite restricted um that mechanical sensibility sort of underlines that they're not real either yeah in a funny thing so you have both the duality of that sits with you somehow when you when you're looking at these
1: yeah it does and yeah, it's a funny thing, really, because, I, you know, I'm saying that I'm making these things that exist within another realm, but really they're just lumps of stuff that are stood in front of you with some wires going into them, and it's like a, an illusion of movement. Um, mm-hmm. And and then really, yeah, they're like an illusion of us, aren't they? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, some crude, crude imitation. Um, mm-hmm. What is real? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Makes me think of... Of two things. One is this idea of anatomy, like the idea you can't see what's inside you and you just look at the outside and it has this kind of structure. But actually there's all this stuff going on inside which is the mechanics of it of the body, right? Yeah. Um and I just wondered about anatomy, I guess, if that was something you're interested in or important. And then the other element to that is like gaming and the few in like tech and stuff like that, which we we'll, we can talk about in a minute, maybe.
1: Mm. Um I mean They've got a very kind of particular look, mm. anatomical look about them, haven't they? They're kind of yeah. really or- awkward and crude, and and that that probably just comes from because I'm I'm st- stood in the studio, kind of measuring these things against my own body with a stick, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then squashing them, and yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, a- anatomy is you know it's part of it uh, because they're human, but. It's it's not that important, I suppose. Otherwise, I I would be making a, a kind of uh, silicon replica. Um, yeah. Th- as long as they've got you know all the main bits there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But it's it's difficult when you try and make them move as well. Um,
0: yeah. What's difficult? What do you mean? Uh,
1: so I had the one the one in the East Side Show
0: um,
1: mm. that was. Uh, looking as if it was hitting a rock, uh, yeah. like it was napping, um, and that was like a really a difficult thing for me to try and make because I, you know, I'm not some like I'm not mechanically minded. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, and it was just a hard thing to to make that uh, sculpture and make make the mechanism, and it ended up like almost breaking towards the end of the show, but that was kind of interesting in itself, watching it kind of fail. So mm. I made this sculpture that was kind of beating itself to death, really, <laughs>
0: <laughs> literally. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um. And then the next step is you're going to make them talk. Is that the kind of next kinetic step?
1: Yeah, I think I'm. I'm making one, uh, and its mouth is going to move at the minute. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'd probably just put my kind of poetry into it, that mm. kind of thing. Um. Uh, and then at the at the minute I'm working trying to make um, like some games and levels that you could walk through with Unity. Um, now, what's
0: like... Unity? For people who don't know what that is, what is it? Let's just go. Because <laughs> you it's... sent me this and I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, it's,
1: it's like a game development program. Like, I, I think it's free. Um, but it's just ridiculous how far things have come because this, you can just hop on it and learn how to use it like you would Photoshop. And mm-hmm. then you could immediately have something that looks like Tomb Raider 2 kind of thing.
0: Um, <laughs> it does.
1: Yeah. Um, so I'm, at the minute, I'm trying to make like a, a level with that. And and again, that's just opened up this idea of the world building completely and um, mm-hmm. I'd make it into like a playable level. But then at, at the same time, you know, like I might just make one that's like a car game, but exists mm-hmm. within my constructed universe uh, just so that people could just go on it on my website and play it um (laughs) and then uh i mean i've only just got things to try and do it but i was going to try and make like an augmented reality app of these things as well so you've got like Mm -hmm. the sculptures that would be in front of you and then get your phone out and like scan something and then turn to the side and there'd be a load more of the sculptures but in ar um,
0: as a clever way to get around that 150 problem.
1: Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just whether I can learn how to do it. And I mean that these are the kind of things that I'm I'm trying to learn at the minute, like all this 3D software and Blender and and programs mm. like that. Um, which you know I've had a go at because I do 3D printing within the works as well. But to mm. kind of use them in that fashion is a bit different uh, and takes a bit more work really. But it's so a really, which... really exciting part of it as well.
0: So which bits are 3D printed in the work?
1: So all the, all the eye mechanisms and everything, they're 3D oh, printed. Yeah, yeah um, of
0: course.
1: And then some of the smaller elements, like the head of the puppet from uh, the East Side show, mm. that, that was drawn, uh, I think it was on Maya, which is uh, a 3D sculpting software. Mm. I just quick, quickly drew that and then 3D printed it. Um, yeah, so there's kind of lots of smaller 3D printed elements in the work.
0: There's something like, I'm feeling really optimistic about this. Like, in, and like, I feel like there's so much hope there because, in a way, I think like the, my reticence towards like technology or develop like anything that feels like it is like gaming or anything like that. It's like, oh, God, like, it's so far from the handmade, the. Um, you know the, the idea of making these handmade sculptures that are kind of labour intensive and physical and fail, and they're right there in front of you, and they're you know painterly, and then you've also got this gaming arm. Um, it feels like you've got you've got this way of uh, bringing together these two kind of disparate worlds maybe the past and the future and the present somehow to me and just just now I'm just like oh this is like really hopeful (laughs) you know you're not saying you're building this world in order to then put the sculptures in it and then never make sculpture again kind of thing
1: no no I mean uh, using these kind of bits of kit uh, is kind of really helpful um Mm. and it it's just like having an assistant really um (laughs) you just draw these things and then Press a button and come back a few hours later, and there's another thing that you can use within your practice. So it's not like removing your hand completely, even though Mm. it's made by a machine. Because I've had to draw it. Yeah. Um, it's just just like having a helping hand, really. Yeah,
0: literally. (laughs) And in terms of that teaching yourself thing, um, I think that's really interesting now that we can do that more. You know, whether it's like going on to look at a paint technique or research a medium and material or or like you say go and teach yourself a whole uh software
1: kind of yeah. program
0: um and you you're part of the school of the damned yeah
1: yeah, yeah. I'm part, part of school of the damned um yeah it was it's just so unfortunate because of um of covid and everything that happened like i mm-hmm. i met with them all again it was a air gallery in Altringham. um and then pretty much soon after that like covid hit and so we couldn't meet up um and I, I found it really difficult to kind of keep up with them all even though i knew knew some of them beforehand um mm. but it's just really hard to kind of maintain these relationships with this cohort of people mm. um but i mean i know that they've all well a, a large majority of them have been kind of having meetings um and we've put on a couple of exhibitions Mm. Um and I have, have met with them on, on Zoom or whatever a couple of times. Um but yeah, it's just it's a really a really difficult thing personally for me to kind of yeah. continue. Um but yeah, we had a show and I had a piece of work in, in Warrington uh, mm. and the guys that run short supply up there, um I think they handled most of that install. Um uh, it's uh, part of Castlefield Galleries, Gallery, yeah. Um, yeah, they're, they're new art spaces, so that was great to do that. Yeah, they're brilliant. Um, and then I just drove to London the other week and, and met some of them, uh, and we had a little show at uh, Function Suite. Uh, so that was really good. That's just by the Stratford Centre.
0: That's uh, right, and I did try and get there.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was really good. I, yeah. I literally just drove down, helped them a bit with the install. Uh, helped them tidy up and then sat and had a non-alcoholic beer (laughs) and then drove back Um, but it was great to see them again and it was kind of like nothing had happened Yeah. Um, but it kind of I think it's left the school in a weird place and a lot of people feeling like they're in a weird place because how long is it meant to go on for because obviously Mm -hmm. we had a year out kind of thing Mm. Um, yeah it, it just it sucks that that happened. <laughs> yeah, because you
0: know, I... it's worth explaining a bit, like, for anyone who doesn't know, that it's a self-organising, sort of self-organised art school, in a sense, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's meant to be, like, a reaction to the uh, rising university fees and everything. Yeah. Uh, which, I, yeah, I definitely don't agree with. Mm. Um, but, it, I mean, I wanted to be part of it so that we could, like, run workshops and, Put on mm-hmm. exhibitions and meet people all around the different con- around the country, but yeah. it just made it so difficult with COVID. I mean, impossible completely, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah,
0: but maybe it'll kick off again now. I mean, it does feel like it has a has this kind of uh, momentum of its own. Sometimes, well, it it obviously this is prior to COVID, but that idea that it was a very well organized, self organized, <laughs> you know.
1: Yeah, I fun. think the I think the guys that have been you know that pushed for the uh function suite exhibition and mm. uh that kind of small group of them they've they've been doing it for months really and so mm. they you know they will continue it uh yeah. yeah
0: but you're also juggling like a full-time job i think as well you're are you a tech
1: yeah i'm a i'm yeah. a art technician um yeah and i i assist illustration and fine art courses so it i mean mm. it works with my work um yeah yeah, it's really hard to try and maintain this practice as an artist yeah. and a full-time job. Um, yeah. Yeah, and some, sometimes it can get really difficult. And that's why it was great, really, <laughs> to be mm-hmm. furloughed, even though, mm-hmm. you know, everything that was going on was absolutely rubbish. Um, yeah. It kind of gave me that time to be a full-time artist for a little bit.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and to make that brilliant show, and I guess with the... um you know, Eastside Projects Commission, it gave it focus maybe too.
1: It did, yeah. 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 And uh I just, you know, I wanna have the time and space to make another one or a few mm. more now.
0: <laughs> There's hundred and fifty, they're gonna happen.
1: Yeah, they are gonna happen,
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, so brilliant. So the the what you're working on is it the what's the new thing that you're excited about? I mean you've told us about the talking sculptures which is really amazing and the 150 is there a new material is there some a new drawing a new a new plan it feels like to me like you're working on so many things what's what's the thing that's like forefront of your brain
1: uh at the minute i'm trying to make like a flooring material um so like i had the bark all over the floor at east side oh yeah i'm trying to make my own um out of paper Mm. uh so that's kind of the material that i'm using loads at the minute and then uh, but I'm also trying to make other parts of uh, terrains. So I've made a load of tiles and I'm laser cutting into them to make them look part of my world. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. And then
0: yeah. <laughs> at, the sa- at
1: the same time, I've uh, been making things out of clay um, and learning how to fire them and glaze them. Um, and again, these objects are kind of, you know, things that these sculptures have made or, mm-hmm. they're, or they're just like domestic objects from this world. So there's that. <laughs> and then at the same time as those, there's yeah, the three D elements and trying to do that and create some kind of platform that can contain this constructed universe.
0: I just can't wait to see it all. I feel like you this invention of this world obviously it's it's liberated something which is like now the stopper's out, you're off.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it has. It it's really kind of uh flicked a switch within yeah. my practice. Um it's... Okay. And that's been helped by kind of these digital processes as well. And, yeah, yeah, just thinking about all these all these different processes under the umbrella of a, a constructed world. Yeah. yeah. It's just... So exciting. ...doing where it's going to go now.
0: <laughs> Amazing. Well, thanks so much. I've got to end. So I always end by asking just two questions. I'm just going to ask you the first one, which is if you can suggest something that's been helpful for you, During this period, being the last um, year and a bit, but maybe as we come out of this kind of lockdown, what's useful to you thinking about, like moving forward? And I know you've said that you've got, you've got, you know, presumably not furloughed now. So yeah, what what you um, what you might suggest that's been helpful?
1: Um, I mean, it was really helpful for me to have, uh, you know, a a studio. Really, I I don't think I could have got through it all. If I wasn't focusing on my practice um mm-hmm. it's a really unusual time and yeah just having the work to fall back on and concentrate on really helped mm-hmm. um yeah and also trying to learn things throughout the whole time um mm-hmm. I'd just be watching YouTube constantly trying to yeah trying to teach myself things and that again was another thing to kind of concentrate on
0: mm-hmm.
1: um that and Greg's still being open. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I love it. Mushroom chicken slice. Um, <laughs> genius. <laughs> Amazing. And is there a particularly good YouTube channel? I mean, YouTube's an incredible fount of information. And I just think sometimes you go on and you go, again, it's like a whole rabbit hole. You end up, you start listening to Elizabeth Bishop reading her poetry. And before you know it, you're like <laughs> learning about, I don't know, how to gut a fish. Like it's quite nuts. Um Yeah. Is there a particularly good, like, a go-to one for you?
1: Uh, I mean, when I was looking about the things about strange matter, there's one called PBS Space Time, which is, like, mm. all about quantum physics. Um, so that's a really good one. Mm. Um, and, I, I don't know, uh, just lots of instructional videos all the time on how to do things or yeah, how to take things apart um, and <laughs> <laughs> what's, inside, what's inside different objects. So, yeah. it's it's all good mostly Mm. all good
0: (laughs) yeah super nice all right brill and then the last question is just have you learned something about yourself
1: um probably that i always think i can do things quicker than i can so to start doing them earlier
0: (laughs) (laughs) i like that not do less things just start doing them earlier
1: yeah definitely
0: genius oh thanks so much Luke this has been an absolute delight and um really really excited to see what happens next and uh
1: thank you good
0: luck with it all thank you all right see you soon
1: cool